Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode three of another Arsenal podcast. I am one of your hosts, Regan McSweeney, and I am joined by my good friend, Matt Phillips. Say hi, Matt. Evening, lads. And today we have the pleasure of being joined by Mark White. Hi, everybody. And Rhys Campbell. Loving me again. And uh, it's two episodes in the space of two days. The last one was quite positive, and this one, <laughs> it's a, we've got a bit of a shit show to dissect. So, uh, Let's talk about the game last night, Wolves 2, Arsenal 1. Um, I'm sure we've all got a lot to say about this, but let's try and start with the positives. So it was a good first half until the last 30 seconds. <laughs> what did you guys think? <laughs> Mark, I'm going to come to you first, because I know you've got a, a lot of thoughts on this. Uh, yeah, I thought um, I thought it was, it was really coming together with Saka and Pepe on either side. They were looking really good. I think the more I watch Smith Rowe, the more I take in about his movement off the ball, as well as obviously what he gives to us, you know, on the ball. But between the lines, he's always an option to pass to. He was fantastic. And Thomas Partey was just outstanding. Like I I know he got a bit of stick at the weekend because he put in a bit of a subpar performance against um, United. And rightly so, it wasn't a good performance. Um but I felt like last night he was just, he was outstanding in that first half. He, he Everything went through him and some of the balls he was picking out were just sublime. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I thought he was, I thought he was absolutely sensational. I don't necessarily think he was that bad against United. I think he just, a lot of the stuff he tried didn't come off, but he is a, he is a Rolls Royce player. I've not enjoyed watching someone that much for for Arsenal for a long time but like Matt what did, what did you make of that first half? Yeah I think the first like you said 46 and a half minutes is probably the best I've seen under Arteta in terms of how fluid the movement was um, what I really enjoyed actually and I, I remember thinking it at the time like the the players all seemed to know the exact position everyone were in it was like we'd trained exactly to move how we were going to move and then it came off in the match, which always, which doesn't always happen. You kind of get games where you prep for it and then it just ends up being a completely different game, so it doesn't really work. But it honestly looked like we've taken what we were doing in the week on the training ground into that game. And that's how a proper team should play football, that first 46 minutes. Every, every single bit of that performance was good. Defensively, offensively, off the ball, on the ball, movement positioning every single bit of it was so good um I really enjoyed it I th- and I thought um like Mark said Partey was just incredible he's it's hard to really describe how good he is and obviously we'll get on to individual performances later but he's just an outstanding footballer yeah big time big time and I mean what did you make of that Reese? did you I mean I think I think a lot of us, well, I say a lot of us, I think there's a, a thing among Arsenal, not amongst Arsenal Twitter, that, you know, could we be overhyping this first half because of the way the rest of the game went and how wrong we felt? I mean, what did you what did you make of it all? I said the other day on the podcast, um, I want to ask you Rufus from the start, I want to be at him. Obviously, as we see the other day, that, uh, we see yesterday, last night, they're still, their balls weren't even that good. We was all over them, we could have scored for it, we could have been 3-0 up. Matt said probably the best performance under Arteta in the first 45 minutes. And then obviously, yeah, we went down the fan. Things things seemed to implode quite quickly, but we did have a we did have something you know quite special to celebrate. And I think if we'd won this game, um, we'd all be talking more about 
Nicolas Pepe absolutely doing to Wolves defenders and flashing that in with his weak foot. Yeah. What a goal. I mean, I mean, guys, what did you what did you think of that? Yeah, Pepe seems to have found his confidence now, which is really nice. And he seems to actually know that he can get past a player. I think in the past, he seemed to doubt himself a lot when he came one-on-one with a player. Um, I think I mentioned it last week when he would always do the check back and he would always sort of, he just didn't look like the confident player who'd take it round a player. Um, and to have the sort of skill to not only stay on his feet for that for that bit in the penalty area for his goal, um, to sort of have the intelligence of knowing that the Wolves player, which way he was going to go. So to put it through his legs. And then, I don't know, I just thought that finish on his right foot. I mean, he is... One before yesterday, I'd have said he's probably one of the most one-footed footballers in the Premier League. Um, he just doesn't look good on his right foot at all. Um, but to finish that with his right foot, and Patricio didn't even move. He literally did not move for that goal. It was the key. But I think as well, saying about him being one-footed, that Patricio probably had that in his head as well. He thought, there, nah, there's no way he's going to shoot here. So to mix it up and actually take a shot on. And what I really liked was that he started the move with his tackle. He won the ball back. Then when he got the ball yeah. back, he just wasn't afraid to take on the the defence. It was such, such a good goal. I think, like you said, Regan, if, if what had happened in the second half hadn't happened, we'd probably be talking about that as the best moment of the game. Mm. Well, Reese, I'm going to come to you next because me and you have been quite... I don't want to use the word critical. But we, we've always wanted a bit more from Pepe. Do you think we're starting to see that now? As I said, that's the frustrating thing about, about it. We'll do this and show glimpses of this and then and he goes off for another 10 games. But hopefully, with with Saka, Smith, bro, hopefully us, he's not given the time to drop off again. But time will tell. Yeah, it's it's been two games. He's done really well. I do think he's one of those players that needs a run to really get up to speed. I thought, I, I keep saying that, I thought at the end of last season, he was excellent. And, you know, for William to come in and take his starting berth at the start of this season was wrong. I'm not going to use that as a stick to beat William with. He doesn't pick the team. But if if he can keep this form up, it's going to be really important for the next few games because it's another it's another string to our bow. It's another gun in the arsenal. But, um, I mean, Mark, what did you make of him last night? I think um, just going off what Reese just said, I think there are two things that are really key with um, Pepe that we got last night. Um, firstly, uh, Aubameyang was available and Pepe was still in the team ahead of him. And that's a that's a big shout for a player who, um, like Reese said, you know, drops off for 10 games after a good performance sometimes. That's, you know, that's bold of Arteta. That shows that, you know, this could be a corner. Um, the second thing was we've been saying since we signed him, pretty much, he needs to be in the positions that Mo Salah gets in on that right-hand side. He needs to be ready at that side of the penalty area to just check in, come in on his left foot and score that goal. And he did that last night from the other side. Like, okay, we don't we don't expect him to play on the left all the time. But the, the key thing was that he, he he got into that position of danger and he hasn't been getting into those positions nearly enough. And, you know, he got in it yesterday and you saw what he did. Like if, hopefully this is this is the corner, like I say. But, 
Yeah, signs signs were good last night. Unpredictable coming off the left. But off the right, off the right, when he's coming off the right, I think he's very, very one dimensional. You already, you always know he's going to try and paint. Off the yeah, left, I'd, I'd sound a bit different, and obviously defenders don't, don't know which way he's going to go. I think there's there are players like Salah, like Robin, where you know, I think also Saka, you know what they're going to do, but you just can't stop it anyway. Whereas mm. I feel like Pepe is not that player. Like Pepe, Pepe is an outstanding, technically, you know, technically outstanding footballer. But yeah, he does need to mix it up, and he did mix it up last night. It was it was good to see. I think the him being played on the left, and we touched on it in our in our first episode um, when we likened him to uh, Thomas Muller. You know, what was it Space Explorer? Buzz Lightyear, Space Explorer, Space Explorer, um, yeah, <laughs> Ram Deuter. Um, I think him being on the left gives him that sort of edge of okay well I'm not I'm not quite sure where I am on the pitch right now I need to be a bit more instinctive I can't afraid to dilly because if I if I have to cut into my weaker foot someone's going to tackle me I need to just do someone and I really like that and I think alongside his 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 uh, drive to get past his man in the last two games which has been refreshing his hold-up play and the way that ball is sticking to his feet is, is helping the team so much. And I hope we see more of it on Saturday. Um, so moving on from probably the only positive, <laughs> we're going to have to talk about this at some point. Um, David Luiz uh, does, uh, well, David Lewis, sorry, does a David Luiz in the 46 minute, gets sent off. Now, there's a lot of contentious opinion about it. Mark, I'm going to come to you first here. Do you think that was a penalty and do you think it was a red? <sighs> I don't know. I I don't think... I would not have given the penalty, put it that way. Um, and if I was a neutral, I would look at that and say that is so harsh. Like I, I get that the rules are interpreted to give him a red and I can understand Peter Walton in the BT studio going, oh, well, if you follow the rules, then this is why it's given us a red. But equally, I think you can interpret the rules and say it's not a red. So I don't think it's clear. And whenever I watch these things, I just go off the gut of, does it look like a red card? Like, just does it look like a penalty? You can generally tell, you know, and it didn't look like a red card. It didn't feel like a red card. The thing that annoyed me more in the moment was that, Louise didn't say anything. None of the players surrounded the referee. Um, they went to VAR. The VAR check was complete within 10 seconds and it was given. And it was almost like, oh, we've got a red card. Okay. You know, you watch teams like Liverpool and United and they are getting around the referee. And I think the only player who really does that for us is Lacazette. And we need to do it more. We need to be shitbags. We need to be arguing with everything because you don't get it if you don't argue most of the time. I, I really want to touch on that point and I'll, and I'll come to the others. Uh, I'll come to Matt and Reese shortly. Um, there was one thing I didn't touch on in my intro, intro to this this penalty. David Luiz was caught 10 yards out of position, first of all. Yeah. Which is just pure David Luiz again. Um, the tracking back, I mean, you look at it on the telly at speed, it's the red card and a penalty. At speed, there's a red card and a penalty. So without VAR, you're saying to... Craig Pawson, um, you know, you, you can't 
berating without VAR, but the fact he has the tool and they've somebody's watched that and said red card and penalty and not just penalty is beyond me. When we've got John Terry going on Instagram to defend us, you know something's wrong. Yeah. yeah. I do think it's a penalty. I've seen, we've watched enough of David Luiz for Arsenal and enough of David Luiz against Arsenal to know that he probably knew what he was doing. Um, it was certainly not a red card because, I mean, in my opinion, if I know David Luiz and I know that his intent is to be sneaky and try and get a little bit of contact, then he's not red card. Then that's not a red card because under the new law, that's intent. So um, I have my views on it. I think, you know, because it is David Luiz, I think it probably played into him getting sent off more. And finally, Mark, on your point of, of us not surrounding the referee, I think we don't do that because we know that never works for us. That will just end up getting three of our players booked for descent rather than helping us. We, we are completely unprotected in this league. Teams like Man United and Liverpool get away with it every week. Um, and, you know, it, it's not going to change anytime soon. So I think, you know, we've got players that have been on the end of really bad decisions for a long time. I think I read a stat today that we're 14th in the league in terms of fouls committed, but first for red cards and yellow cards. Yeah. That's an absolute joke. Um, and I can actually feel myself getting hotter as I talk about this. So I'm going to pass off to you, Matt. <laughs> Yeah, same. Um, so it's hard to really sum up your thoughts in um, about what happened last night, but I've had about 24 hours to compose my thoughts now so that I don't make any rash comments. And I can still only come to the conclusion that that was one of the most disgraceful displays of professional refereeing I've ever seen. After 10 minutes, I called it as well. I said that he couldn't get control of the game. He gave a corner. To, so the Saka penalty incident where... In my opinion, he was clipped. But like the Louise one, I'd have said, mm, probably not enough for a penalty. That was my opinion on it at the time. It clearly bounced off Saka and went out for a goal kick. And I remember, I think it was Cody or one of the Wolves defenders at the time complaining because the ref just didn't see that at all. It, it bounced off Saka and went out for a goal kick, but they gave a corner to Arsenal. So, And then a few minutes later, Wolves should have had a corner and the ref gave a throw-in. And he allowed all the players to crowd around him um, and he looked completely lost. He looked like a deer in the headlights. He was honestly so out of touch of control in that game. He didn't have any control on it. And I mean, we've lost our last four games under Craig Pawson. I had to check that just before I came on because I couldn't, couldn't believe it. Our record under him is absolutely atrocious. But what Mark was saying about Peter Walton in the BT studio, uh, I mean, there's no way to say it other than they just all protect their own. The referees are like a mafia. They they look after their own and it's basically like a, they're never going to go against their own. Um, because I think referees in this country feel like they're way more entitled than any other country. And I remember it was Wenger said in 2017, there's only two countries where there's professional referees in England and in Italy, and England didn't have a single referee going to the World Cup. There's a reason for that. It's because they are the most arrogant, opinionated, obnoxious referees I've ever seen. When you look at like Martin Atkinson, Mike Dean, John Moss, I mean, John Moss was on bar last night. You can't actually blame Craig Pawson for the David Luiz incident because the, the rest of the game, 100% you can bl blame, uh, blame Craig Pawson for, but you can't blame him for the penalty on Louise because he's watched it in real time. And like you said, Regan, it looks like a penalty and a red card in real time. However, to review that decision 
and I've also looked this up so I don't get it wrong, 15 seconds that review took from when the referee heard, first heard it was being reviewed to when it was finished. Last night, Man United-Southampton, that offside that Southampton had in the second half, three minutes and 10 seconds that took to review that offside. It's a joke, isn't it? It's a joke. It is absolutely atrocious. There is no consistency in it at all. But also, do want to touch on what you said about the players not complaining. We need that ruthless streak in us. The fact that I didn't see Louise going up to the referee with his head, head in his hands saying, I didn't touch him, I didn't touch him, all that stuff, that is what being a professional footballer is about. It's about trying to gain an advantage over your opponents. That would have gained us an advantage. It would have made VAR think, oh, he looks like he's angry about it. But because he just accepted that it was a penalty, VAR, the person on VAR, John Moss, probably thought, oh, well, he's accepted it. I don't need to review it. He accepted it's a penalty because he knew what he was doing. And I'm going to stand by that because I've watched enough of him for Arsenal and for Chelsea. Listen, I think it was a penalty. I think it was a penalty, but it is never in a million years a red card. The fact oh, I don't that think it's a red card. I don't think it's the... a red card. But if he, if he, if he, if he, in his head, had any inkling of, oh my god, I didn't touch him, I didn't mean that at all, he would have said it, and you know he would have said it because he he complains on the pitch a lot. Yeah, he would have said it, and he knew what he was doing, which is why he didn't complain. Which is why straight away I was like, I know he's done something wrong. Reese, I want to get your opinion on this, um, and then Matt, me and you, we can come back to the. Uh, corruption in the referees because I have a lot I want to say about that as well Reese. what did you make of that whole thing if I'm given a red card for that I'm going I'm going nuts I'm going nuts <laughs> I, I'll, I'll take the penalty because as Regan said you probably you probably knew what he was doing being sly about it but a red card is a joke yeah no way no way no way a red card big time yeah it's a penalty all day long any of us would be stupid to say that's not a penalty because all right it's not a stonewall penalty but I'd, I'd feel a bit aggrieved if there was a little bit of contact and we didn't get that penalty. But with the Saka one, we didn't get a penalty for that. And there was there was more contact than the Louise one. We weren't getting anything last I'm night. Not, I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think it was a penalty in the Saka one. I think, nah. But there was contact. So if there was contact on the... Um, this is where it's going now. VAR is going a very dangerous way now because it doesn't look for fouls. It looks for contact. Yeah. David I mean, Louise's foul was not a uh, tackle was not a foul it was contact I cringe when you hear grounds when you hear crowds shouting fuck VAR in their big you know Young's fish pie voices I cringe when I hear that because VAR is a technology it's a tool loads of sports have it they have it in tennis they have it in rugby they have it in football and why weren't we complaining about VAR like this at the 2018 World Cup? I'll tell you why we weren't, because English referees weren't there. Whilst someone just said it correctly, it, exactly on your point, Matt, where he said there are two professional referee establishments in Europe, Italy and England. And Italy had the Calcio Poli scandal. I'm not sure if I can pronounce it correctly, which induced mass reform in their refereeing. We need something like that because this is an absolute shambles now. We've got referees who have Mossy written on their boots. We had referee who, who is a now head of referees in Dubai who went and got himself an agent. We have referees who are more concerned about being on the back page than they are about actually refereeing football managers. Matches. Michael Oliver. Michael Oliver cuts tram lines into his hair. Yeah. How has there not been... I can't talk at the moment. I've got an eyebrow slit. How has there not been an inquest into... Because it's, it's one of two things. Now, my manager at my last job, 
said something really profound to me one day. He said, if you make a mistake once, it's a mistake. If you make a mistake twice, you know, it's it's a bit stupid. If you make if you make a mistake three or four times, it's incompetence, right? So it's yeah. either incompetence or corruption in this country. And if it's incompetent, find me a job where you can perform as poorly as you want and the actions that you take have mass consequences every week. It, it relegated Cardiff a few years ago. I thought it'd go down anyway, but it practically relegated Cardiff a few years ago, right? Yeah, well, well, Neil Warnock, I just want to say, while, while we're on the subject of that, Neil Warnock came out after that Chelsea game, the one where it was the blatant offside for the Chelsea goal. Uh, Neil Warnock came out after that and he criticised the referees and he criticised, uh, sorry, he criticised the linesmen in, specific, in, in being specific. He criticised the linesmen and he said... Um, I don't know what they're doing with the linesman at the PGMOL, but he's so far behind the play. How can a professional linesman be that far behind the play? And it cost Neil Warnock probably, well, it, it cost Cardiff in the end. They went down. Maybe they'd have gone down anyway. But to have such huge decisions go against you at the time and stuff like that, it's just so unfair. And one thing I do want to say, when you're talking about it not being VAR, it's, it's completely spot on what you what you say. And I saw an analogy earlier about like a bus driver. If the bus crashes, you blame the driver, not the bus. And it's the same. I mean, Regan and Mark, I know we both, we all like the thick of it. It's what um, Stuart Pearson says. He says, if someone chokes on a packet of crisps, do you issue an arrest warrant for Gary Lineker? <laughs> I, I just want to... I mean that that is a fucking brilliant quote because Gary Lineker is is a menace. Um, <laughs> but so is his brother. What I was, yeah, but what I was going to finish on is imagine, and I want to wrap this this bit up. So um, you know we'll, we'll get off this topic in a minute. But imagine being in a job where you can be as incompetent as you like, turn up whenever you want, decide you're going to be the you know the cock of the walk on a day where you don't have to have a job where your your actions have your actions or your inaction has massive consequences for everyone involved every week but you're not allowed to be criticized for it that's why there's a there's a direct correlation between premier league referees and this current government no accountability there is a direct correlation between premier league referees and having to pay to lose your virginity a hundred percent a hundred percent and I'm going to come off this topic now. Um, if you, lads, do you have anything else to say on this before we move on to our second red card of the evening? I probably shouldn't say anything else or I'm going to get cancelled. Yeah. No, I think I'm done. Okay. Reese, you got it all out? I think it's all, it's all, it's all done now. Because we're, we're going to move on to another one, so... Yeah, exactly. Leno's red card. I had to just laugh at this man. What is going on there? What's he done? Because I still think he could have kicked that. What did you think, Mark? Um, it was just a moment of madness, and um, it it came at a point where we were unlikely to get back into the game. But it gets to that point, and it it did kill the game. It really did. And I don't feel there's much that needs to be said on it, to be honest. Other than he's an absolute muppet. And we've got to pray that Matt Ryan is fit for the weekend because I really do not want this. We're in this big trouble. Yeah, 
they're going to be taking shots from 50 yards. They're, he's absolutely useless. He's been left out of the Europa League squad today. So imagine yeah. if he does have to play on Saturday. I reckon he'd be... I mean, if I was any player that's taken a summer transfer only to get left out of the squad, he'd probably have a bit of a chip on his shoulder on Saturday. I I, I feel really bad for him because it's like... It's like, imagine... It's, it's not his fault. Yeah, imagine... imagine. Oh, I was about to liken it to... Uh, like, imagine driving a HGV and then putting a child in control of it. But and it's just but this guy, a child if it crashes. This guy was bottom of every single stat in the French league when it came to goalkeeping, and we still signed him. He's 25, by the way. Yeah, but people are talking about him as yeah, people are talking about him as though he's young. This guy yeah. should be in the prime of his goalkeeping. Me and my old man were watching the game. Well, he was in the room when I was watching the game. Um, and he's not really massively into football anymore. But when when Leno got sent off a red card, um, you know, that's when we, we, we were talking about it a bit. Because I'm not convinced that was a clear goal scoring opportunity, by the way. I'd just like to say that because he's he's well away from goal. Louise is getting to that ball first. Uh, not Louise, sorry, Leno is. It's just weird that Leno went with his hand. Um, but Renarsson goes to come on. Um, um, the first thing my dad says, oh, Jesus, see the youth keeper. And I was like, no, you know, we signed him in the summer. He's 25. He goes, it's half the size of the goal. And he fucking yeah, is. He's, he's about very small he's for tiny. a keeper. Reese, what did you make of Leno getting sent off? Running at him at full speed and he's for shit. Yeah. And he's, yeah. Been, and he's just for fuck. <laughs> what should I do? And then, yeah. He done what he done. Didn't he, why, didn't he, why didn't he just hoof it? Because it didn't swerve or, or bounce up weird. I did like him. I did like him digging out the fourth official on the way off the pitch. I did like that. It would have been nice if he gave the uh, gave the fourth official a quick dig on the chin as he walked off as well. To be fair, I mean, if you're going to take a one match ban, you might as well take a ten match for I don't know, maybe like doing something absolute GBH awful. Yeah, I mean, you might as well spend a night in a prison. So if you're going to get a one match ban. I mean, if you're yeah. going to be out for 90 minutes against Aston Villa, you might be you might as well be out for 900 minutes and the rest of the season, right? <laughs> All right. I was just going to say, I, despite everything yesterday, can I just say how nice it is to watch Arsenal lose two one and to still feel so like proud of the the players, yeah. like. Bellerin came out afterwards and posted a picture, no caption, of the referee getting all matey with Conor Cody, I think it was. Um, Xhaka posted something similar about how, you know, we've been... I mean, he basically implied we've been screwed over. And that whole time that we had eight outfield players, they were so disciplined, so compact, and they were ready to to spark again into another counter-attack. And they never lost heart, or it didn't yeah, seem I like it. I think um, I said it on the first podcast where, you know, where we went down to 10 men at Stamford Bridge, it was exactly the yeah. same. Every Everyone wanted to win that game for the fact that we were in a situation like that. It was just, it, I, I just really liked seeing it from, from the players. And uh, yeah, I think they've come quite a long way from in not a long time. I mean, we, we were saying like, two months ago that they all had no backbone and that we should sell them all. And now they're now they're showing a little bit of fight anyway. 
Well, that's the thing. I, I mean, yeah. I remember in that period where we were losing every single week and it genuinely felt like every de- even the decision that went against us, like even though Xhaka was an idiot against uh, Burnley, I still felt a bit like, come on, people haven't been sent off for that at other times. But I just didn't care. I mean, I'd given up on caring about Arsenal losing. But now that we've actually lost, and I mean, I took that bad last night. I really was not in a good frame of mind last night I was so angry about it and it's the first time I've been angry about us losing for three months yeah yeah I mean it's the, it's the apathy that kills you when we're not winning and, and Mark I'm, I'm really glad you said that because I think we've we've forgotten how spirited that performance was because of how wrong we were um, I mean you can't fault a single right, player granite, in that 90 minutes I don't think Granite Xhaka um, granite, can I just say that Granite Xhaka was great again last night and he also won me a hundred pounds um because i had nicholas pepe to score granite jacker to get booked and thomas party to get booked and when he did eventually get his booking i did clap it so uh <laughs> fair play to him yeah thanks for that one craig porson he let me down on that exact same bit a few weeks uh same bet a few weeks ago i had the scorer another card and i was just waiting for him to get booked and in my head i was thinking what game did granite jacker not get booked in but um Mark, I'm really glad you said that. I thought we were great and we deserved a win last night. All right, boys, I have a big question for you guys. I would, uh, I reckon it's a bit of a hot topic as well. Hot topic. Um, right. You have been given a voucher for a free Nando's. You can order as much as you want in this one session. It's for you. And one other person, who are you taking? And what are you ordering? Oh, man. Reese, I'm coming to you first. Thierry Henry. Taking Thierry Henry to Nando's. Ooh, blame me. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, blame me. Okay. All right. He's my hero. He's my hero. I just want to speak to him. And there's so much I want to ask him. Okay, so let's elaborate on that. So for, before we get on to what you'd ask Thierry, what are you ordering and what do you think Thierry would order? Um, side of chips and rice, five wings, and Thierry is having, um, I say he's having a wrap. What kind? What, what spice level? Hot. Handle the sauce, 100%. He'd firm that. Nice. And what, what, what? you have one question to ask him. What would you ask him? Oh. Oh. Regan, I, Regan, I have a feeling what, <laughs> I know what you'd ask Thierry Henry and it would be about a handball. Oh, yeah, I'd ask him why he didn't. Yeah, I'd ask him why he didn't sign the petition to replay the game if he was that sorry. <laughs> <laughs> See, Reese, he's already halfway through his halloumi right now and you've still not asked him a question. I'll be ghost-smacked. I'll be shocked. Are you just going to be starstruck and not, not talk to him? I have to ask him about the goal. I have to ask him about the goal at Real Madrid. There we go. The Bernabeu. Okay. I think that's great company. I think it's a great order. Before we move on, do you think Terry would order water and put coke in it? <laughs> <laughs> now, Thierry Henry doesn't need to penny pinch. You've got too much class. penny pinching? It's not penny pinching. It's just it makes you feel good. If anything, I think he does the opposite. It's just saying fuck you to capitalism. 
Yeah, I think he'd do the opposite. He would he would buy a coke and fill it up with water because he is healthy. <laughs> but you know he wants to give more money to the franchise itself. You know, it's like leaving a tip in the most humble way possible. Pay to him. I bet he yeah. eats the natas and doesn't pay for them. I used to do that in Chiswick Nando's all the time. I didn't realise when when I first became a Nando's connoisseur. Didn't realise you had to pay for the little cakes in the tray. So I used to just take them thinking they were complimentary. No, no one told me off for, for about four or five visits. I didn't get told off. It must just what was this fat cunt nicking all the cakes. Um, right, Mark, Nando's, who are you taking? Oh. What are you ordering? And what are they having? Do you know, I'm at a crossroads with my, my Nando's experience um, in that I always used to get a burger. And every time I'd look forward to my burger. And then afterwards, I think oh, I should probably get something else. But you run the risk of disappointment, I think, with with Nando's or with restaurants in general. You don't want to order something that you don't like as much as the burger. Yeah. Um, so last time we got Nando's, I was going to get, uh, I, was, I think I was just going to get a full chicken. Um, but they didn't have it, so I got fives. And the fives are really, really good. So I would get yeah. fives. Oh, who am I taking as well? Um, it's a tough one. I'm going to say uh, Beyonce. I'm going to say Beyonce. Great shout. Now, what would she have? Oh, I think we'd, we'd get a full chicken and we'd we'd both start a, a side in each and then we'd meet at the middle, like Lady and the Tramp. Nice. <laughs> yeah. And she can she can choose the spice. We, oh, no, we'll go hot, I think, because we want to impress her. And... Mm. Um, your face will just be slowly getting redder as you're trying to impress her. You'll be I like, can do it. I no, can do I'm fine it. with yeah. the heat. I'm fine with the heat, I promise. I don't worry about me. I can't feel my tongue. His right hand going like a jackhammer under the table. <laughs> Not for the heat, mate. It's, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd take Beyonce. And uh, I know it's a bit of a basic answer, but, I mean, where, where else are you going to meet her? Exactly. And if you could ask her one thing in that Nando's meet, what would you ask her? Ooh. Who, who does your tampons? I'd, I'd probably ask her something just really... It's a tough one. I, when I met, yeah, I mean, when I met um, David Dean, I could see him. I was, I was supposed to... I was like on a red carpet, supposed to be like interviewing him for an awards. Not just him, like just people who went along and I could see him and I was like, oh my God, David Dean, that's really cool. Like when it's people like Colton Cole, you're just like, so what was like the highlight of your career? And you're just like, whatever. But David Dean, there's so much that I've wanted to ask him over the years. And he came over to us where I was. And I was like, hi. He was like, hi. I was like, who, who's your favourite Arsenal player? Why am I asking him that? Like, seriously, why am I asking him who's his favourite Arsenal player? Is? He Who said he the say? whole invincible. He said the whole Invincibles team, um, which is a good answer. Um, yeah, so yeah, I could probably just say to Beyonce something like, you know, who's your favourite Arsenal player? Yeah, I'd like. Do you like Lemonade or you know something really, really weak? While while we're on the subject of Beyonce, have you ever heard the way she pronounces Tottenham? I've seen the video of Reggie Yates trying to tell her about... Um, yeah, Arsenal trying to tell her about the North London derby. And he goes, oh, it's Arsenal v Tottenham. And she goes, 
Arsenal ve Tottenham. Tottenham versus Arsenal. 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 Yeah, she's giving them a look like he walks into her house on Christmas Day and pissed on her kids. <laughs> <laughs> right, Matt. Who are you taking? What are you ordering? What are they ordering? And what are you going to ask them? What you're having and who's with you? Um, well, my standard, I'm a bit like Mark. I I have a standard order and I rarely shy away from it. But did I hear you say at the start that we have a, there's no limit on price? No limit. You can order as much as you want. And you can take it home with you after as well. Okay, so in that case, I would add one thing that I, one thing to my order that I don't normally have. Um, so my normal order is chicken breast wrap with two sides, which is creamy mash and spicy rice. Um, mm-hmm. I go for hot, but I have extra hot sauce because I've had an extra hot before and I'm never doing it again. It just didn't sit right with me at all. Um, I like a hot, but yeah, the, the extra hot sauce goes on the creamy mash and in the spicy rice as well. And it's like mixed in. Oh, it tastes so good. It's good shout. Um, and also... I'm always getting halloumi in my wrap as well. So chicken and halloumi yeah. wrap. Um, but seeing as there's no limit, with my guest, I would share a platter of 10 wings as well. Very nice, very nice. But, and what are they having? So alongside sharing the platter with you? Well, I think I would take Sir Arsene Wenger. Nice. Um, I think he would be absolutely loving the wings platter. I think he'd be finishing you know i've got quite a substantial meal so i don't think i'd be wanting many wings probably only three out of the ten so i'd let him have seven yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i think venga would be great chat over dinner i think he'd definitely be ordering a glass of red at nando's <laughs> yeah yeah no i think he would whether it's nando's or whether it's a really posh restaurant he would if Arsene Wenger walks in, you get a bottle of red in. That's the etiquette. I reckon he would eat the chicken wings with his fingers as well because he's a real, he's a man of culture. No, I reckon he's a knife and fork guy. No, I don't think he is. He's too classy to eat the wings with his hands. Yeah, 100%. I reckon he, I reckon he'd eat like nah. I reckon he'd eat like a fish and chips or like a McDonald's with a knife and fork. Or I reckon he goes to Pizza Express and cuts the pizza. But I know he is a man of culture. He is definitely a man of culture. He is sucking those bones dry. Yeah, why do you look at me? You know man, he's not because he's not he's not letting that protein go to waste. No mess, okay. no dribble, nothing. Yeah, I oh, he's definitely got a bib on his fingers. He's got his he's got his invincibles forty nine bib on. Yeah. <laughs> He'll eat forty nine wings. And what are you gonna ask him? Um I would ask him quite simply what what needs to be done about the PGMOL. Could you be there all night? Because I think we need a real real plan of action for this, and I think it's going to need all the leaders of the the squadron to to make a big decision about this and decide how we take them out. Red ten standing by. Red seven standing by. Red three standing by. Red six standing by. Wicked. What about you, Regan? I would uh, go with... So, I, I'm not a fan of biting off more than you can chew. 
Um, my usual Nando's order is quite, you know, just it, it, it does the job. It's a meal, you know, uh, double chicken pitta, medium, uh, peri chips, rice, halloumi, sometimes coleslaw. I get a lot of stick for that, but Nando's coleslaw is lovely. But I think on this occasion, I'd go, I'd go with the boneless platter. Big fan of those. 20 quid, boneless platter, great value. Uh, I'd go with the four regular sides instead of the two large because that large chips at Nando's is too much. Um, so I'd go regular chips, peri chips, uh, again, coleslaw, rice and, and halloumi. Uh, and I would be taking Amber from Love Island. Um, <laughs> so we're working off we're working off the basis that um, Rumping Shop worked then. <laughs> yeah, so Rumping Shop worked and now we're in Chicken Shop. Um, so after you wooed her with Rumping Shop, what happened later that night? Did did anything happen between the two of you? No, no, no. I just, you know, I was quite. I was a Were gentleman. you a gentleman? It's been, it's, yeah, it's been lovely meeting you. You know, I've got a voucher for a free Nando's tomorrow. I'd love to take you with me. Chance would be a fine thing. Um, and I have, and um, unfortunately, the poor girl's got to watch me eat a platter because. <laughs> It's a free Nando's. Um, so I can imagine she'd have some sort of wrap, you know, keeping it classy on the first. It's just a sort of wrap. Um, you know, a few sides. I reckon she, she'd go rice. Um, halloumi, definitely a halloumi girl. Uh, I would I would obviously go and collect the, order the Nando's at the counter uh, and ask for two glasses for water and put her Coke in the glass for water and, and mine as well. Um, just for the thrill of it, you know, you don't know if they're going to catch you. And I would just ask her, uh, you know, can, will you marry me? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. And I think we can all agree that even though Wenger wouldn't be sucking the uh, chicken off the bones, Amber definitely would be. Hundred <laughs> percent. No, not on the not on the first date. I don't think she would on the first date. I would be. She would. She'd do it with an enticing look in her eyes as well. Amber don't give a fuck. Yeah, she's she knows she's paying. What's the what's the reason that she wouldn't be sucking food? I, I don't appreciate you guys talking like you know more about my missus than I do. <laughs> yeah. This is none of you are coming to the wedding. Um but yeah, I yeah, that's that's what I do. Who who has got the best Nando's date in this group then? I'm gonna cast my vote. I'm gonna say uh that Reese's date with Thierry is my personal favourite because I reckon you could get up to hijinks. I don't think the night would end at Nando's. I think you could be like, you know, or should we go out for a few bevs? And he'd be like, why not? Um, whereas <laughs> Arson, Arson would try to take you to some like gentleman's jazz club. Arson would be wanting to watch some Japanese League 2 football. <laughs> and I'd be up for that. Would. Then, but just not on a Friday night. Um, okay, Mark, who do you think is one? Um, probably going to go Thierry as well. Actually, I think that was sounds like quite yeah, a civilized was a great evening as well. Yeah, I like the Arsenal because there's so many questions to ask to ask Wenger. Decisions that he's made, transfers, what really happened in what situation. So I think the Wenger one the topic for me. I want to know what happened with Pizzagate. I'm keen to get Arsene Wenger's take on Pizzagate. I want to know how a snake was able to throw a pizza. He's got no arms or legs. <laughs> How can a snake, like, unless it shed its skin and did some sort of catapult? Um, but Matt, you think Reese is one as well? Yeah, it's, it's a solid, resounding win for Reese. 
Although I do think I do think the Henri date would be over in about ten minutes because they'd just eat their food and Reese would be so quiet, just like staring at him in, in awe. <laughs> from from the way he described the day, it was it, it sounded like it was just gonna be him just you know, soft smack looking at Thierry all night. The one thing I would try and do would the one thing I would try and get Ask Menga to say is to call DT and nonce. <laughs> if he if if I succeeded I, in getting him to say that, I would honestly I think Arsene Menga would be my best friend for the rest of my life. I reckon the waiter would ask Thierry and Rhea a question before Reese did. He'd be like, the chicken right? And he'd be like, Yes, lovely. There it is. Yeah, just sitting there staring at him, heart eyes. I have to give my win away to Wenger. To be fair, still a three-one victory. So, Reese, you are the winner of the, the, well this episode. Hot topic. Hot topic. Right, guys, we're going to look ahead to the Aston Villa game now. Um, obviously, a disappointing night on Tuesday night, but we've got the chance to bounce straight back on Saturday. Uh, we're on the early kickoff on Saturday, which I never really like because if you don't get the result you want, it ends up ruining the rest of the weekend. Um, so, team news. What do we reckon about starting lineups? Do we think Matt Ryan will be back, first of all? Do we think the David Luiz red card will be appealed and overturned? If so, would you start him? What would your lineups be? Uh, Mark, I'll come to you first. Um, just touch and go, I guess, for, for Matt Ryan. I really hope he, he does start. Um, from what Arteta said, it sounds like he's not too far away. So, him in goal would be a bonus. Um, obviously, I think, you know, Bellerin and Cedric will continue at fullback. Holding's been doing fine where he is. I think if Louise, even if Louise does get his card appealed, I would put Gabriel in there. Just because Gabriel is, he needs the minutes at the moment. Yeah. Um, he looked a bit shaky in the FA Cup. Um, he looks a bit shaky, actually, first half hour against Fulham. Maybe that's just you know, maybe he does need a run of games to to get back into the groove. Um, then obviously Party, Jacker, uh, Pepe, Smithrow, Saka, and Lacazette. I think you've got to go with the same team. That's that same team. You know, get out there and do what they should have done in the second half had things not been cruelly taken away from us against Wolves. Yeah, I don't think that that starting eleven did anything wrong to to not be picked again. Um, Reese, what about you? Who would you go for starting wise? Do you know what? I'd actually go with exactly the same lineup. I have it written down on my phone before, and I'd go with exactly the same lineup. The one thing I will say is I'm I'm not I'm not sure about Cedric left back. I feel Tierney offered just so much there, and just as Cedric has, and he he turns back around all the time. He's never, ever, never, ever goes forward with the ball. He's always turning back around trying to play that cross-field ball. I think that sums up that he's obviously not a left natural left-back and he's a right-footer on the left-hand side. I don't think it's necessarily his fault. I don't think we should be judging him too much on playing in a position that is not technically his position. Um, and I think when Tierney comes back, obviously, I think he would go straight back into the team because he's without doubt our best yeah. option at left-back. Um, I'd definitely start left-back at Abba. Um, when Abba, when Abba came on the other night, he still looked poor. First few touches were, were poor as well. So, yeah, I'd still have him come off the bench because he doesn't deserve to start at the moment for me, captain or not. Yeah, yeah that's I a agree. fair shout. Um, Regan, what about you? Who would you be going for? Uh, I'm a bit worried about 
the players that will be available for Saturday. Um, and I'm also a bit realistic because this is Arsenal. So um, <clears throat> my first two picks aren't because of I want them to play. It's because of injuries. Alex Renarsson will start in goal. Uh, I'm telling you that now because Matt Ryan probably won't be fit. I doubt he will be. Um, I think the club are worried that he won't be fit. I think the fact we put out a update on his fitness straight after the game yesterday, we never do fitness updates right after a game unless there's an injury in the game. And it's telling. Uh, Cedric will start again at left back because uh, I think KT's out for a long time and we're just not being told about it. Uh, Arteta said after the game yesterday that he's nowhere near playing. He was nowhere near ready for the game yesterday. Um, so I don't think even if he even if he became fit today, three days training for an away game at Aston Villa isn't going to be helped. Uh, you know, the right time for him. I think Gabriel should start and start for the rest of the season unless he needs to be in the change change of Pablo Mari. Um, I think David Luiz's Arsenal career should probably uh, sort of we we need to wean him off the defence now. Um, and we need to wean ourselves off him. And not in a nasty way. I don't think he's... Not in a nasty way. Uh, I don't think he's an awful human being. I think he's probably good to have around the club. I wouldn't be surprised if he came back post-playing as some sort of coach because Arteta loves him. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, we're talking about a player now that's made costly mistakes too much, too often. And the, the telling thing for me was last season, and, and I'll get back on track here, but I just wanted to say... He came on against Man City last season after Project Restart, gave away a penalty, gave away a red card, went on to the post-match press conference under the guise of explaining himself, only to only to give out to the board for not offering him, uh, taking him up on the option for the second year of his deal. That's not the sort of player I want. Um, Rob Holden stays in the team. Bellerin stays in it right back. I think when KT's fit, him and Cedric have a big battle on now. Party, Xhaka, um, weary of playing Smithrow again because uh, I think he played, he's played a lot of minutes the last few weeks, so maybe rest him, maybe give Odegaard uh, yeah, an odd. Uh, Saka will play, because he had Man United game off, and he seems to be okay. Uh, Lacazette will start up front, or Bamiang on the left. Now, he needs, to, he needs to play. I don't want to drop Pepe. Um, and I think if Odegaard's not ready, Saka goes behind Lacazette, and Pepe goes on the right. Yeah, that's fair. Um, one thing I did want to ask is, do you think we'll be able to put that... Because we were on a good run before the Wolves game. Um, the mentality seemed to be that we weren't giving up leads easy. We weren't... Like, we'd been solid defensively. Do you think that Wolves game will have affected our mentality? Or do you think we'll be able to just get that straight out of our system because of the kind of injustice of the Louise red card? Do you think that will fire us up more to to kind of get started quickly? Because I think we started so quickly against Wolves and it was so brilliant to see us playing such fluid football. Do you think we'll be able to start like that against Aston Villa and what kind of a different challenge will it be? If it was a bad performance that we were, we were going off, I think the confidence would be lacking a bit, but we still, we're yeah. still, and as we said, up until the end. So now I think we'll just get the ball, roll, get the ball rolling again. If we start how we started the other day against Villa, it'll be a tougher, it'll be a tougher game against Villa, definitely against, on Saturday. But... Um, yeah, we can definitely get him. Um, I'm worried. I don't want to say yes or no either way. Um, I'm really happy by how angry the players are after the game. But like Matt, like Mark touched on earlier on the podcast, we're always we never really react at the time. We always react afterwards. Um, 
and you know whether that and I I have a distinct as I say I think that's because we've been stung so many times that you know other teams get away with dissent and crowding the referee and we don't and it always end badly for us so I do think these players are scarred by bad decisions I think the club is scarred by bad decisions the issue I have is that for nearly 15 years now we've we've had a team that's flattered to deceive when things like this happen they'll come out and say oh, we're going to put this behind us yeah you know we're going to crack on this is for the fans we'll do it and things go wrong so I don't want to say yes or no I don't want some sort of over-the-top reaction thundering into every challenge straight away. I want a professional performance. The best reaction for Arsenal would be to pretend like nothing's happened and go out there and be professional and be Arsenal. Because if Aston Villa even get a scent that our players are angry, they'll be on the floor all the time. And that's not a bad thing for them. It's smart. They'll be trying to get our players booked. They know that we're under pressure now, again, after such a good run. So I don't want to call it either way. I think the best thing for us to do is just be professional, go out there. It would be great if our players would turn up to games in suits again. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I do miss that. Would yeah. you guys give Grealish coming up against Bellerin? Uh, I mean, I, th- I I'm thought... I'm not necessarily too worried by that. Yeah, I, I didn't think Bellerin really... The lot, I worry about him defensively a lot less than I worry about him offensively. I don't. I think going forward, he's pretty poor but defensively no, I, agree. I don't actually think he's been that bad the last few games I, I think he's um, I think I he gets re- caught out really high at the pitch uh, and that's worrying and if you watch him yeah, but closely, that's how he's told to play though I'm, uh, but I'm not I'm not saying like you know he's out of position I'm saying when he presses high up the pitch he's got a bit of a headless chicken approach to him if you watch him quite closely in that, in that Wolves game before the red card um, and in other games so I'm not necessarily I'm not necessarily worried about Grealish versus Bellerin in a sense of he's going to get burnt on a one-on-one. I'm more worried about the space that Bellerin should be occupying being exploited by Jack Grealish. Um, yeah. And one day I hope him and his awful haircut come and play for our football club. <laughs> I don't think it's that bad. I think uh, I think Grealish has got a solid barnet on him. It's gotten better, hasn't it? Speaking of Jack Grealish, obviously he's one of Villa's threats. What? Who do we think the main threats are? What? What like kind of key battles in that game? Are we? Are we worried about anyone? Are we worried about Watkins? Are we worried about? I mean, uh, Bertram Traore has been in good form recently. I think he'll definitely be be one to kind of try and keep under wraps. I think the one that um, has hurt us recently is uh, John McGinn because he makes this. He makes this kind of ghosting run into the box that nobody seems to pick up on. Um, so one of Party or Xhaka has to keep an eye on him and just be a bit snide when he's trying to make this run, you know, just kind of shoulder into him uh, outside the box, please. Um, and just make sure that you, you always have eyes on him because we, we lost him good three or four times last season when we drew uh, no we lost no we beat them three two that was it at home um emery under emery yeah uh we lost him a few times in that game um but having said that at the moment i don't know if you guys have seen but um our there's an hour gone in the villa game and they're 2-0 down to west ham well, I mean, they've they've actually been in really poor form. They've only got two wins in their last six league games. Um, 
and obviously they went out the cup. I know they played a, a youth team that that cup game's kind of irrelevant to be fair. But yeah, two wins out of the last six. It didn't really ever feel like we're going in. I mean, it was the same before the last game. They'd lost before we played them last time. They'd lost their last two before it. Then they beat us three 0 and then they lost their last two after it. So I'm kind of wary of the same thing happening again of them being in bad form and turning up against us, which seems to happen with every single team. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, we're we're always a team that it's always someone's first goal against us, or their first win in however many, or it's always Shane Long comes on a score. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, I, it's I think it's going to be a good game. I think there's two attacking sides. I've got a lot of time for Dean Smith and Ollie Watkins. Um, obviously, from living so close to Brentford Football Club, um, I actually <clears throat> I actually rented Ollie. I, Rented Ollie Watkins' flat and then managed it for him. So that was that was great crack. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's going to be a good game. I think John McGinn's their biggest threat, and he is he is a top six player, top four player, even as a squad player. He's really good. Um, yeah, I agree. And he's someone that I I'd love to have on the bench at Arsenal, if not starting for us. I disagree with that though. Grealish is definitely their biggest threat, hundred percent. Oh yeah, oh, completely. hundred yeah, percent. I'm, I'm wary about McGinn, but but Grealish, we're gonna have to keep eyes on all the time. Does anyone feel like this season and last season, and I think it's to do with the cash in, cash injection across the board of the Premier League that we're sort of going back to that '90s period of, you know, we've got through the mid 2000s, the early 2010s, and it was literally the top four, and every other team was just practically okay. And that was it. You know, the, the the championship teams would come up and they'd just be championship level and there wouldn't be really be a talisman in every team. <clears throat> but now we're looking at the lower le- lower tables and every team's sort of starting to have that, you know, at least every team has one player that could be in the top four. Yeah, and I love 100%. that. I think it's, it's, I think it's good for the league. Apart from Burnley. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from Burnley. Burnley can fuck off. <laughs> um, all right, guys. So, just quickly before we move on to the next topic, um, get some predictions. What do we think the score is going to be on Saturday? I'm going to go five-two to the Arsenal. Oh, Jesus Ooh. Christ! Go, go big or go home. I mean, I'll take. Are that you right in now. contact with the PGMOL? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got a twenty gonna, on it. Um, are we going to give away two really shoddy penalties for our two goals conceded? Yeah, uh, we're going to be uh, down to seven men uh this weekend but uh luckily we've uh we've trained for such a scenario so yeah what about you regan what do you think the score's gonna be uh i, I would love uh, I, I would love it love it if we scored five uh but i'm not sure if we will and i don't necessarily want the squad to overexert themselves so i reckon it'll be a closer game i'm thinking one nil two nil arsenal boring um, yeah, that's as far as I'm. That's as far as I'm willing to stick my neck out. What about you, Reece? I'll go three two, three two to us. Villa definitely. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling like a high scoring one as well. I don't think it'll be tight. I think it'll be a really open game. I think maybe three one, three two, something along those lines. I think we'll definitely have periods that we're up against it. Um, but I think I think we'll come out on top. I, I feel we'll bounce back. I think there's going to be that unity in the squad to want to respond from that Tuesday night defeat. Right, guys, we're at the point of the show now where every week we ask a different person what Arsenal means to them. 
Um, and this week answering it's going to be Reese. So, Reese, you ready? I am indeed. So, first of all, just kind of sum up what Arsenal means to you as a fan. As a fan, Arsenal. Arsenal means absolutely everything to me. And I wish it didn't because we've had 15 years of hurt. And it <laughs> yeah. honestly hurts me so, 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 so much. And there's been times where I've mentally tried to just switch off and just not care. And I just can't, like, I just can't miss a game. I can't. And it's just, yeah, so it may mean everything to me. Literally, bro, what went to my first game when I was three, and I can probably only remember missing a handful of home games anyway. So, um, yeah, it's a chore. It's a chore at times, but um, I love it. I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, I think it's been the same for a lot of us, to be fair, hasn't it? Like, we've we've definitely suffered over the last 15 years, like you say, but there's obviously been some great moments along the way as well. But I think the thing about being an Arsenal fan is you just wouldn't change it for the world. Like, the high, because the lows can be so low, it just makes the highs so much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100%. Um, so, do you have any superstitions when it comes to Arsenal? Like, any weird match day routines, anything like that? Do you know what? I, I don't really. The one thing, only thing I would is I go to the same burger, it's the same burger I stand since the Emirates has started. And that's about it, really. I don't have any, wear the same clothes or. Which, which burger stand? Which burger stand is that? Do you know the one? It's, do you know the one outside, the one he sits outside Coscar? Opposite, opposite Little Wonder Calf. Oh yes. yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The little burger you're, 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 is on the stool. Yes, you're coming from the Holloway Road direction. Yeah, yeah. See, yeah, me and yeah. me and Regan quite often come from Finsbury Park, so we always stop. Well, I say always. We've often stopped out at the one outside Arsenal Station. I used yeah. to go to that one with the Highbury. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're a great burger van. They do a superb double cheeseburger. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's that's only the burger for me, to be honest. That's fair enough. That's a good superstition to have, though, because Alex was on last week and he said that he couldn't wash pants or something. And uh, I, I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't think of getting crabs because of the Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to ask you, what's your best memory as an Arsenal fan? Oh, what one? I mean, you can you can go for a few, but I'd like to get the one that you kind of feel topped the rest. Right, I'm, I'm going to talk about a few because I feel like I have to for, for experience. Number one, I'm going to go with the Bernabeu, 1-0, Thierry Henry. Um, I, was, I went to the game. Oh, you were at the game? I was at the game. I was, how old was I? I must have been about 12, 12 or 13. And everything about that whole experience was, was crazy. and was just amazing. I'll never forget. I was only young. And I literally walked up to the top, top of the steps of the Bernabeu. It was like, you have to walk for about 50 guts. Got a 15 minutes worth of escalators and steps to get to the top, and you went to the top, and you thought, "Wow, oh my!" Yeah, I've got God. I've got a close friend who was at that game as well, and he always said to me that it was just an absolute nightmare to get up because it's not just yeah. all the stairs; you've got escalators, you've got all that kind of stuff, and it's just really, really hard to get up to the top. Did you feel like when you were at the top, when you were in the away end, did you feel like you were really high up? Did it feel high? Not as high as Newcastle. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say St James's is probably <laughs> the most it's the worst horrible feeling standing there. Yeah, St James is the worst, but no, Bernabeu was one of the yeah the best experience best experience ever. It was one of the only stadiums that you literally get you get out and see the pitch and you're like wow. Yeah, that's one of the only stadiums I've 
literally done that to. So yeah, Bernabeu. I'm gonna. I can imagine there was a real like buzz around the stadium as well, like with the with the Real Madrid fans as well on that night, like just Champions League quarter final. Oh, round of sixteen actually, wasn't it? Round of sixteen, we had. I think we had Flam. Our, our back four was I think Flamini left back, Senderos and Colo Torre at centre back, and we had Abue at right back. right back, and it was just, and we, and we won. I think it was Justin Hoyt or I want to say Kelly. Kerry Gilbert. Kerry Gilbert, that's his name. Kerry Gilbert. Fun fact as well about um, that game is he actually sorted out my tickets because my cousin was a close mate of, of no his cousin. Way. So he actually got my tickets for me, yeah. That is cool. I'm going to give honourable mentions though to um, White Hart Lane 5 4 because I was at that game as well. And obviously, as you can all imagine, that, that game was crazy in itself. The whole experience of White Hart Lane and going there and winning 5-4. And I'm also going to give um, a mention out to just lifting the trophy in 2004. The uh, Invincible season. Invincible season, yeah. Yeah, that's fair enough. As you can, Obviously, these, these memories are 10, 15 years ago, so... Um, the FA Cups of late aren't doing me aren't doing me much justice justice right now. I mean, I wish uh, I don't know. It's for me, obviously. I I was a like huge Arsenal fan for two of our league title wins for the two thousand and two and for the two thousand and four. But I still feel like the FA Cup. I don't know. I feel like it does just get shit on by a lot of fans because it's not. I mean, I've always looked at it at, at the way that only one team can win the Premier League out of twenty. Um, so. The other 19 Premier League teams are going to be disappointed in the Premier League. I mean, obviously not the other 19 in terms of winning the league because you don't expect like Burnley to win the league or anything. But out of the top six, the other five are going to be disappointed. So why would you not give everything to go for the biggest trophy? I mean, it's the biggest cup competition in the world for me in terms of like the the domestic cups. Um, it's it's, dri- it's dripped in history. It's just such a prestigious tournament. I, I've never got this hate towards the FA Cup. I think it's it's a bit less respected now. Teams teams weaken playing weakening sides in it. I mean, as we, when we were growing up, as you said, the FA Cup was massive. But I think now it's just just another cup in it that you need to get out of the way. No, see, um, for me, I'll never look at it but that I, way. I don't, I don't know. I don't. I don't agree with it. That's not my view. That's not my view. But that's just the way it's seen around. And the FA Cup's just not good enough for, for most people anymore. I think Arteta has learned that the hard way this year. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. And I, I don't think he'll ever put out a weak team in an FA Cup game like that again. Um, so the FA Cup is massively important. Matt, you said, what was it, one, one team can win the Premier League. Um, yeah. But it's literally one team in the whole country can win the FA Cup. And that's in every league. Um so it's it's special, it's it's Fair massive, enough. and it and it always will be. Um, and anyone that doesn't say it is, the teams that don't say it is, are the teams that have bought success, and they're never going to get it because every single one of their fucking titles are tainted anyway. So fuck them. I mean, you 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 say you say that, but Guardiola came out after he won the FA Cup against Watford and said that it was the it meant so much more to him than like the Carabao Cups and stuff. To win the FA Cup was a huge honor for him. So you say that, but I don't think it's looked at. As by some managers as just another trophy. I mean, I think Klopp always did for a while when he first came to England. He, the, the sides Liverpool used to put out in the FA Cup were atrocious. But City have always played strong 
sides in the FA Cup. Yeah, yeah. Just like to say, Jurgen Klopp abandoned every value that he had when he decided to buy the league. So his opinion means absolutely nothing to me as a football fan. <laughs> Regan's going in. Regan's going in this week. Giving it, giving it Barry Big Bollocks about our creating footballers and all this stuff and all the hard work he did at Dortmund. I actually quite liked him when he came over. And he wants, what is it he's playing at recently? He wants us to feel sorry for him because there was no 8 million centre-backs on the market. I couldn't give a fuck. <laughs> I couldn't give a fuck. You've got, the, you've got the second most expensive goalkeeper in history. The only reason he's not the most expensive because Chelsea shit the bed and signed Kepa. The second most <laughs> expensive defender in history. The only reason he is not the most expensive defender is because Man United shit the bed and paid 80 million for Harry Maguire because he's got an English passport. <laughs> they have one of the most expensive centre midfielders in Premier League history, Naby Keita, who doesn't play. They spent 40 million odd pound on Alex Oxlade Chamberlain, doesn't play. I, his opinion on any competition in this country was tainted the minute he threw away everything, every value he held, doesn't matter. Tell us how you really feel, Regan. Game on Monday Night Football. Come on, we've got to hear this. Because he's a he's yeah. a he's a spoofer. He's a spoofer, and that's why I have so much respect. And I also, I know a lot of Chelsea fans agree with this as well. Frank Lampard probably should have been given a bit more time. But that's why I have so much respect just for the pure vitriol when he said to Jurgen Klopp, "You've won one trophy and given it big bollocks. Fucking sit down." Oh, I wish he knew how much I wish I was saying that to him. <laughs> right, we've gone slightly off topic there, guys, but we're going to come back to it. So that was your that was your best memory, Reese. Uh, going back to Bernabeu, worst memory, worst memory. Oh, um, I'd say Paris two thousand and six. Yeah. Um, standing outside the stadium in the rain, trying to get a ticket, um, didn't happen. So yeah, as you could imagine, that was a horrible experience. Alongside with um, Birmingham, but not not the Carabao Cup, the actual league game at St Andrews where we shit the bed, where we lost Eduardo. Yeah, we lost Eduardo. Galas sat in the middle of the pitch and cried. I mean, I say that he lost Eduardo. He got injured. He didn't die. <laughs> he might as well have. He's yeah. the same. His his career, his career did, to be fair. Yeah. But um, yeah, that game where we lost the league. Yeah, that was... Uh, do you know what? I was on a flight back from America the day we played that. And um, the I was on a school trip and my the teacher I was with was an Arsenal fan. So we were talking about it just before we got on the plane. And we've, the kickoff was about an hour into the journey. So we knew we wouldn't know the result until we landed. And he was saying, oh, as long as we keep Eduardo fitter and firing, I reckon we're going to win the league this season. We got off the plane and we saw that we, we obviously shit the bed and Eduardo had broken his leg and <laughs> the look of disappointment on this guy's face and yeah that that was a really poor um poor day for us he could have been so ask you what you made of Galas's reaction there <laughs> i think it showed that he was a human i don't think i don't think it was a bad thing it no, wasn't a bad either however it wasn't a bad there's, thing this, done. there's this shtick that everyone seems to say pundits media whatever as soon as you do stuff like that, oh, you've got to be more professional. You've got to stick to your job. These guys are yeah, human yeah. beings, and he's just watched. You you don't know how close Galas and Eduardo were. That could have been his best friend in the dressing room. Mm. He's just watched someone's leg be snapped in half. Literally, his leg was snapped in half. That ankle was hanging out of his fucking sock. Equally, though, he's the captain of that team, and I think yeah. as soon as he did that, it was very much, you know, we we were quite rudderless 
without him yeah. kind of I don't yeah. think Vieira Vieira wouldn't have done that. Henri no. I don't think would have done that. And it's the way he just sat it's the way he just sat on the halfway line as well. I forgive him for it, but I, I wish we'd have had a different player in that position. We should never ever give number ten to a to a left back again. I think I think William Gallas because he was quite an angry character in a good way, and I think it looked it looked like football was his outlet. When you're dealing with someone that probably gets very emotional and very angry when they're on the pitch, I wouldn't be surprised if his first. That was. I don't think that was him doing a dirty protest. I think that was him just distancing himself from a the dressing room and b the officials. Because if he doesn't do that, he probably gets a nine month ban for going in there and cracking someone's head open. Yeah, he he was a very emotional player. Because I would. I'm saying this as if I'm hard. This is part of the reason I'll probably never be a professional footballer. What happened to Arsenal happened last night, and I was on the pitch. Craig Porson's jaw would be hanging on the floor. (laughs) That and your knees. I think yeah, Galassi knew that was a last that was a last chance that he was going to get to win to win a league because when he came from Chelsea, won a few league titles there, and he came to us, and that was going to be the only time that he was going to win the league. After that, where he wasn't going to go anywhere, anyone above us, was he? No. So that was his last chance of success, really, as well. So he probably just, yeah. All right. But he was um, just before we move on. Sorry, he was part of the reason Colo Torre was pushed out, wasn't he? Really? Was he? Or was that, am I thinking of him or Nazri? No, I don't Colo Torre didn't get on with Torre. one of it was one of Galas or Nazri. Colo Torre didn't get on with him. I mean, I could see why people wouldn't get on with Nazri. I think he was one of the biggest egomaniacs we've ever had. I remember reading it somewhere. He I believed so that. much I of his own hype. Yeah. Um, okay, that's fair enough. Um, yeah, Birmingham one definitely sticks in my memory. I kind of like I tried to etch that game out of my head, but now you've put it back in, Reese. I'm probably going to feel sad about that all night. Um, <laughs> So that takes us on to what was your favourite Arsenal kit? Um, 2003, the blue away, the O2, the blue away, t- away oh, kit. Yes. That's now the yes, second really. time that's been mentioned. And oh, it's just such a gorgeous shirt. And every time I think of that shirt, it screams out Henri away at West Ham, Upton Park. Yeah, a little half volley. And the spin of his back. Yes. yes. Oh, what a goal that is as well. How yeah. did he do that? Like, and so, and he just went over to the away fans. Like, yeah, come on, that's what I'm about. Get the ball, <laughs> we're going to win this. Such um, an underrated goal. Uh-huh. It's because whenever I watch the, when I watch like the season review DVDs back, the the commentary on it, it's... It's re-recorded commentary, so it takes a lot of the passion out of it. So, like the Martin Tyler one at Old Trafford, for instance. There's two. Have you ever heard the two versions of the Wiltord commentary? Yeah. No, I've only heard one. No, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a there's a yeah, there's another similar one, but it's just like the passion seems to be taken out of it because he's re-recorded it for the Arsenal DVD because Arsenal weren't allowed to use Sky Sports audio, so Martin Tyler recorded it for Arsenal. But you can just tell that it was re-recorded and it's the same with the Carnu goal at Stamford Bridge the can you believe it he's re-recorded that on one of our DVDs as well and it just sounds so poor and that's the same with that Henri goal that's exactly the same it was I think it was either John Motson or someone like that re-recorded it and so on the DVD just kind of like Henri turned goal and it's like no that he's just scored a half volley from 25 <laughs> yards out put a bit of respect on his name Imagine if it's not re-recorded. It's just the speakers on Matt's telly are broken. <laughs> <laughs> the other goal that um, 
Well, the other game that that shirt reminds me of is the uh, Roma away game, the hat yeah. trick on oh, Reece. Hat trick free kick, yeah. Oh, Thirty yard free kick, top bins. That was beautiful. I actually ripped that shirt of mine as well, climbing a fence. Oh no! See, there was there was a few Arsenal shirts because I was aware of how much. Like when my mum used to buy me them as a kid. I was aware of how much they cost, so I never wore them when I was going out with my mates mm. because I was just so worried about like ruining it. The, yeah, the, worst, the worst thing that I'm going through now with my shirt collection is that like I've got a lot of shirts that Andy, my brother, um, gave me, and I don't know how, and and he'll kill me for saying this. I don't know how he was wearing small at my age. Um, <laughs> so he gave me to them when I was a teenager, and you know now they don't fit me, and they're some of my favourite Arsenal shirts as well. But happen to go for your collection, realize that something's starting to look like, you know, spandex on you and searching everywhere to try and find a large of it is soul crushing. It hurts. <laughs> Especially when they're so expensive these days. All right. So the 2002 3 away kit, the blue one. Nice. Good suggestion. Yeah. Um, and finally, favorite player for the Arsenal? I think I've probably spoken about him enough throughout the podcast. But, <laughs> but, him, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Vieira simply because obviously I loved him growing up. Um, simply because we still haven't replaced replaced him to this day. I mean, and we possibly could have. Like we could have with Partey. We, we, we might be on the pitch like at the moment. This might I be the replacement. Hundred percent, and hundred percent, he he's the closest thing we've ever had to Vieira. So fifteen years years later, thank you very much. But uh, hopefully, Partey will be. Similar. I mean, that should go as a warning to clubs that when you have a player that good and that unique, replacing them, you know, it, a lot of Arsenal fans say, oh, yeah, but we never replaced Vieira. It's not as simple as just replacing Patrick Vieira. And it's the same as like when Ronaldo left Man United. Like, how do you replace like a winger who's just got you 27 goals in a season? How do you replace a defensive, a... Mid, a defensive midfielder who has just... I've got a theory on how we replaced Vieira. We could have got Kante a couple of years ago. Well, I I'll think never, that... I'll never let it go. I'll never let it well, go. Um, Diaby would have been nice, but I feel like when we, whenever we had Vieira, uh, we would struggle in Europe. And then as soon as we solved Vieira, we started doing really well in Europe. I mean, we made another semi-final a couple of years after that final. Uh, we made the quarters a couple of times. And I do think that... Um, that Wenger almost said, okay, you don't need someone this strong and this box-to-box presence in Europe. You know, you need to be more controlled. You need, you know, players around Fabregas. So I do think he sort of had the right idea, but it was almost like it was too soon for the Premier League. Like, Pep did it years after. But, you know, the idea of getting all those technicians in midfield, I think that was actually quite revolutionary and everybody just said oh they need a bit more bite in midfield it's like no you're not appreciating what he's doing here actually yeah. actually a great team around the late 2000s I mean I, I've I've said it a lot the 2007 to 2011 period at the Emirates I think we played some of our best football under Wenger even better than the Invincibles we really did and we did perform well in Europe we didn't win a, a European Cup but we should have done Oh, I mean, yeah. that semi-final, if we'd have not fucked up that home leg against Man United, um, we'd have been in the final. And I, I think we'd have... Um, Who was in the final that year? Barcelona. Barcelona. Was it, was it Chelsea and the other one? Or Liverpool? Uh, Liverpool, I think. 
that Liverpool semi-final we were cheated out of as well because we should have had it a was the quarter-final the other end of the squad. Oh. yeah but we, we, we were it was um, very frustrating I remember I remember those games so much like it just always around that I've just got such bad memories of around like April time um, as a kid growing up because we were always going out of the Champions League and FA Cup quarter-finals at the same same week same every, week yeah there was that 2010-11 season where we it was the 4-4 at Newcastle, the League Cup final defeat to Birmingham, the Barcelona defeat in Europe, all within the space oh, of eight God. days. And it was just the worst eight days because I had barely any Arsenal fans with me at school. It was all United fans, obviously, being near London, obviously all United fans. Um, <laughs> so I just grew up with so many United fans like bantering me around that time. And that week was definitely the worst of any of them. All right. So thank you, Reese, for taking part in that. It's good to get your... Uh, Views Thank on you. the Arsenal. Pleasure. Uh, we're just going to take, well, we've only actually got two this week. We've got one tweet, which is from Dave and then eight numbers. So I've got a feeling it's a bot account or someone on this podcast has made the account <laughs> just to ask the question. Saying, <laughs> do you think the Louise red card will be overturned? Uh, no. I don't know. These are the new, I think these it's, are the new laws. It, it should be, but it won't be because they're a fucking mafia who protect their own, so they're not going to do it. Um, and I guarantee you that uh, worse challenges don't go, um, uh, go unpunished moving forward. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I don't 100%. think it will be, but obviously hope it is. Um, and then we've just got an email from Sean, who's emailed to ask, what was our favourite goal of the season so far? I'm guessing he means Arsenal goal. It's got to be the one against West Brom. Was it Sarko who scored uh, it? Yeah. It was Smith Rowe who made it, but it was... Yeah. The interplay was just so good. It was pure vengeable. It was beautiful. What about Fulham as well, first game of the season? That was a good one. Williams had yeah. a good game. Yeah. Yang into the top corner. I mean, I'd probably go Pepe last night. I think that's my favourite goal of the season so far. I can't believe you've all overlooked Granite Jacket's free kick against Chelsea because I got my cock out when that went in. (laughs) You did, and I can actually confirm that we did see. We did see that, yeah. Yeah, That's only happened twice. It's happened twice. Yeah, so for for anyone listening who's not familiar with Regan, he's... He does get his penis out quite a lot in relation to Arsenal. Um, we were, me, me and Alex, who was on last week's, we were in Prague in 20, April 2019 when we played Napoli away. Napoli away. Um, Lacazette free kick. When that Lacazette free kick went in, me, me and Alex were sitting in this bar watching it and um, we both had to sip out of our drink. And our phones have both flashed up with the same message. And we both opened it at the exact same time. We're in this bar with really shit Wi-Fi. So it's like downloading the video on this really, really shit um, Czech Republic data that we're on. And the videos come on the exact same time. We've both watched it. And it's just Regan pulling down his trousers and doing a helicopter with his cock. (laughs) And I think once I saw that, I knew we weren't going to win the Europa League that year. (laughs) <laughs> oh, fuck off. <laughs> He's out in you. He's out in me. Yeah. So thanks for emailing in, guys. Um, remember, you can either email us or tweet us if you want any questions answered in next week's show. Um, 
If you are tweeting us, uh, make sure you use the hashtag Big Ask Questions. That's B I G A R S E questions. Um, so we know to answer your question in the cast and not just through Twitter. Um, Matt, it's been lovely speaking to you. Um, Reese, thank you so much for talking us through what being an Arsenal fan means to you. My pleasure. And and how you just sit there starstruck, not even asking Terry on a question. <laughs> Mark, great to hear from you again, lads. It's been an absolute pleasure. Hopefully, next week, so when are we playing Saturday, it'll probably be an episode next Monday. Uh, hopefully, we have some more positives to talk about rather than shit referees. Fingers crossed. Thank you for listening to this episode of another Arsenal podcast. Feel free to keep up to date with what the boys are up to by following us on Twitter at another Arsenal pod, our Instagram at another AFC pod. Or you can email us with anything you'd like to be included in next week's show by emailing anotherafcpod at gmail.com.